put it to practice in your life, and that if we don't do that, our faith isn't going to grow because our faith is perfected. Our faith is finished. It takes us to a point of maturity in faith if we act on the word. And that our life many times or our faith many times is like a rubber band. And it's not really important. It doesn't get used unless it's stretched. Rubber bands sit on our desk all the time and they don't do anything. But when they're stretched, they're their most useful. And for us in the body of Christ... We're most useful to God when we're stretched because that means he's taking us into a new place. He's taking us into a new season where we must rely on him and we must rely on his grace, not ourselves. Now, we know that's uncomfortable. We know that takes us to the breaking point. We know that pushes us past where we think we can do something, but that's the only place for faith to grow. That's the only way that faith in our lives can get larger as if we get beyond us because faith is all about God. Faith is all about his ability. Faith is all about what he has called you to do. Faith is all about the plan that he has for your life and you moving in it, but through him. You can't do it on your own. And if your dream is big enough that you can somewhat accomplish it, or you can kind of figure out how to get it done, I would say dream bigger. If God's taking you to a place in your life and you say, well, I could, I could probably get that done in this many months or this many years, I think this could, dream bigger. Because the thing that God has for you as he takes you into a new season and a new place in faith is always beyond what you can comprehend in your mind. Yes, your mind has to get a hold of it and wrap onto it and latch on. And your words have to as well. But it is beyond what you can do physically in your own body in this world. And today we're going to talk a little bit, and I've, I've shared uh, in the offering in this church for, I, I, don't even, I don't even know how many years. I mean, 15 years, I don't even know. You know, since, since I, who knows, man, 96 and 7, I started preaching, and somewhere in there, started doing offering messages and did offering messages forever. So you've heard from me the message you know, of tithing and of giving. And, you know, we built that one house that time and we had, you know, I had a whole year's worth of messages about, you know, building a house and pulling weeds and doing all kinds of things. You guys, many of you have been here that long, so you remember some of that. But I haven't really ever gotten an opportunity or God has never really led me to, to share a message on a Sunday morning like this about tithing. So today's the day. So say so you love me. I love you too. This is the good crowd to warm up with because you guys have been around a long time. But the title of the message is Giving God's Way. And I just want to encourage you today that if you're a tither, praise God, that is fantastic. Keep going, but you might have to stretch. There might be more that God wants you to do in your life than just bring 10% into the storehouse, and that's what the tithe is. If you're not a tither today and you're a giver and you love God and you're open, open up your mind to expand and to stretch. Open up your faith to stretch in this area and say, God, I am awake, I'm alert, and I am, I am open to what, what you may be saying to me and what you may be showing me today. I try to come as a partial party, you know, just to say, you know what, I love you, I care about you, and I care so much about you that I don't want to see you in trouble because you refuse or don't believe in the tithe. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it. That doesn't make it not true. So you can say that if I fell down, I don't believe in gravity, so I'll float. No, you won't. You'll fall down. If you don't bring the tithe into the storehouse, that 10%, that first part of what is God's, if you don't bring that in and give that to him, I'm telling you, you're robbing God. And you may not like me after this, but you will be better after this if you trust me. And that's where I try to stand today. And I wanted to read this scripture out of Philippians, because this is my heart. Next week, we're going to talk about giving in difficult times and how important it is in, in, to give. 
not just the tithe, but in those opportunities like Pastor Pam shared about today, to give over and above and to say, I'm going to plant some, uh, some seed. I'm going to give to, to missions. Or I'm going to give to, to my orphans or wh- whatever that might be. I'm going to give over and above, even though it's a difficult time. Difficult times don't negate the tithe. It says in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, it was Paul speaking to the Philippians, and this is my heart today, and this is the heart really of the church. The church isn't looking for your cash. The church is looking for blessings on your behalf. And that's what this says. It says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. In other definition, or in other, in other um, Bibles, in other, in other versions, it says that more would be credited to your account, or in the New Living, it says that you would receive a reward. And in many instances, I'm telling you, I'm speaking to the choir, and I know many of you are, are, are givers, and you're tithers, and you're doing those kind of things. I'm just trying to encourage you that there is blessing in that, and that if we're not tithing, we're not stretching, and if we're not tithing, we're not being obedient to God's word. Now, it doesn't matter if I'm talking about adultery or anything else. This is just another topic that kind of sits in that same place. Money is mentioned in the Bible over 800 times. In the church, we don't talk about money that often. We do at the offering time, but many times we check out. You know, how many messages have you heard preached from a pulpit that deal with specifically cash? Many times we don't necessarily shy away from it, but we don't talk about it all that much. But it's mentioned over 800 times in the Bible, and half the parables that Jesus taught in the New Testament were about cash and finances and money. Half. It's important. It's not important so that we can end up with more money in the church. It's important that we as believers let go of something that we're holding on to that keeps us from the best blessing that God has for us. Jesus began to speak about it all the time. God does want to bless you. He wanted to bless the rich young ruler, and we left off last week talking about the rich young ruler and how Jesus told him that the answer to his question of how do I attain eternal life? How do I go farther in where I am walking spiritually? And he told Jesus, I am living the law, which means if he is living the law, that means he's a tither because that was part of the law. He said, I have done it since my youth. I have purposed to put the law into practice in my life. I've been living the commandments. I've been doing what you say. But I want to know, what is it in my life that I can do to attain eternal life? And he said, you have things that are more important in your life than me. Your material possessions, the things that you own, your money, those things are more important to me. He said, you go sell everything that you have, give it all away. Don't allow any material possessions, don't allow your finances to come between you and God. Don't live 90% of the word in everything that it says, except for the spots that talk about money. You don't know more than God about salvation. You don't know more than God about grace. You don't know more than God about healing. You don't know more than God about the political situations in the world. You don't know more than God about finances either. Neither do I. And we all think we do, and no matter how good you are with numbers and no matter how good you can make things work, it will never, it will never end up the way that God intended for it to end up in your life. When we take control of our life, we end up driving down a highway haphazardly, and more times than not, it leads to destruction. Forget about money for a second and just think about it. In your life, would you just all of a sudden say, you know what, I'm just going to go off and just do all kinds of crazy stuff, and I'm going to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with, I'm going to do whatever I want to do? No. Why? Because we'll end up in a ditch. We can't do that financially in our life either. 
We need to pay attention to what God's word says. We need to be obedient to what God's word says because God wants to bless us. There's no doubt about it. In Genesis chapter 22, he was sharing with Abraham, and it was at the point that that Abraham was just about to to take care of Isaac and just about to sacrifice him on that altar. The gift and the very thing that he had been believing God for and was now in this earth and being raised, God asked him, you know what? This is a rich young ruler moment. You have this young thing that I have given you. You have this blessing that I have placed in your life. This is the the, the answer or the the answer to the promise that I made. I mean, this this is being fulfilled, but even that can't be in between, God said to Abraham, me and you. So as he took him up there, he began to sacrifice him, and God stopped him, brought the ram, all those things happened. And then God told him, because you haven't withheld this thing from me, because you haven't withheld this thing from me, I will bless you. And I won't just bless you, but I'll bless your descendants after you. I will pour out a blessing in your life. Sounds familiar, like Malachi. I will bless you. And then in Galatians in chapter 3, since we are part of that family, we can hook into that. If you're saved today, you're part of that family. You are heirs to that blessing that Abraham had. But it comes with obedience, that we have to come to Christ first, but then we need to live the word in our life. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse because he became a curse for us, that the blessings in verse 14 of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's us in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And verse 29 says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It puts you in a seat of opportunity. It puts you in a place and in line for God's blessings. Don't clog up the pipeline. Don't clog it up with unforgiveness, sure. Don't clog it up with sin in your life. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff that you should do, sure. But don't clog it up because we don't listen to what God is speaking to us and showing us financially in our life. There is a blessing that comes with being a part of that family. There's a blessing that comes with that. In 3 John 2, the word says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health. I pray that you prosper in all things. In the Greek, that word prosper implies a continual, ongoing, and progressing state of success and well-being. All four things, spiritual, physical, emotional, and material. That's that Greek word prosper that comes out of that thing. It's not just about your health. It's it's about you prosper in your life. Not just financially either, but you prosper in your life when it comes to relationships. You prosper in your life when it comes to family and your children and all those things. You prosper in your life when it comes to your job. That you're prospering and prospering. Prosperity is a growth of influence, a growth of affluence, a growth of all the things that God has for you, seeing those things manifest in your life. When you think back in the, in the Old Testament where Abraham, and, and they, were, they always had more than enough. There were, now, they, they reached some difficult times, but God always provided. There were instances and places, as you read through the Old Testament, where people had to part ways because they had so much, the land couldn't sustain them. That's prosperity. That's abundance. And John 10.10 10 says that Jesus came to give us that kind of abundance in our line. But it also says that the thief is out there and he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he will take every opportunity to do that in your life. If he can get your finances, then he can wreck your life. If he can get your joy, he can steal your health. If he can take your... See, if he can begin to take all these pieces and parts away from you, he'll destroy you. That's what he wants to do. 
But in Malachi chapter 3, this is important, and I'll spend a few minutes here talking about this. Starting in verse 8 of Malachi chapter 3. It says, will a man rob God? And we would all say, no, I'm not going to rob you. I'm not going to steal from you. I don't come into the church and take out of the plate. See, I don't come into the house of God and, and take what isn't mine. I don't, I don't steal from anybody. I'm not going to steal from God. But he says, he goes on. And the reason that he answers his own question here, he says, because you, you have robbed me. The reason he answers is because we don't think we've robbed God. We don't want to believe that that's the case. And again, we're just talking about stretching. Maybe you have to stretch your, your, your faith here a little bit. Maybe you have to stretch your mentality a little bit. Maybe this is a new thought to you. Maybe God's been dealing with you in this area, and you haven't quite got on board yet. In many of our lives, as we walk with Christ in our relationship with him, the financial part, the tithing part, and the giving, and the offerings over and above and those things, that's kind of the last frontier. That's like the last, it's kind of the last step and the last straw. That when we say, okay, God, I am all in. In poker, when you go all in, you put all your what in the middle, all your cash. See, I trust God and I love God, and I love him enough to say, you know what, I'm all in. You don't just get 10%, you get all 100. You get the 10 for sure, but anything over and above that that you ask, it's all good, we'll push it in there. And God said, why have you robbed me? And you say, in what have we robbed you? He said, in your tithes and offerings. Then verse 9 says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe, it says, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then he says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven and pour out a blessing, pour out a blessing on you that you will not be able to receive, that there'll be no room in your life to receive it, that you will not know what to do with everything I pour into your house. And we got a lot of ideas. I mean, how many of you can really think right now, like, oh, you know what, boy, that could, yeah. No, we already got like 64 things. We already figured it out. We'll all be driving planes and doing all kinds. I mean, we understand that if there is an abundance in our life, more than we can possibly contain. I asked Dan one day, and he's been in banking for a long time, and I asked him, is that possible? And he said, no. <laughs> in the banking world, in the natural. I said, could I, could I have so much money that you would not know what to do with it or where to put it? He said, no, 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 no. Just bring it on in. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out. See, so not only does the idea of tithing not make sense to our natural mind, the blessing side of it, see, is so big that it doesn't make sense to our natural mind. I mean, the blessing big enough and large enough that, that we won't be able to contain it. And then he goes on and he says, and... I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. That means that everything you're doing is going to prosper, that as your hand touches it, it will prosper, that things in your life the enemy won't be able to steal from you and to destroy. See, we talked that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. Well, how do we stop that? One of the ways that we do that is submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It says that in James 4, 7. But part of that submitting to God is bringing the tithe. So I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, it, it, it's, it's the word. It's true. People can debate it. You can say, I'm not sure if that's true or not. You can argue about it. You can do all those kind of things. But what I've found in many, in many areas, people who do that, just don't want to tithe. 
were masters of finding that back door and that way out. But what did it say in James chapter 1 that we read last week? See, in James chapter 1, it said, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all signs. That you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. See, we're masters at finding that back door. Don't find the back door here because when you find the back door, that shows where your heart is. In Matthew 6, 21, it says where your heart is or where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You say, well, my, my heart's not after money. Yeah, but if we're not giving the way God commanded us to give, it is. We just have to face facts. And it's not fun, and it doesn't make us feel happy, and it doesn't make us feel great. But I'll tell you, if you get into it, it will bring joy in your life. Because then there's nothing between you and God. As you read this in the Message Bible, verses 19 through 21 of Matthew 6, it says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse. It says, don't hoard treasure where it could be stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust. Isn't it obvious, he says, the place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be. And the end of this says, and you will end up being that. I want to be a person who's hard after God because I want to live his will. I want to see his word prosper in my life. I want to see his goodness and his blessing flow in my life. We all have to become mature in a sense financially in our life to say, okay, God, I'm I'm going to follow you. I'm not just going to do it here. I'm not just going to do it there. I'm going to do it everywhere. And if it includes my finances, then I'm all in. We have to make that decision. You do, I do. Elizabeth and I have years ago finally decided that, you know what, enough's enough. Giving to the Lord, bringing the tithe to the Lord is about trust and about love. It shows where your heart is. And the Lord said, you know, he doesn't want our heart to be far from him. And I know it's going to be quiet. There's not a lot of giggles and not a lot of laughs probably today. But but that's all right. Remember, Paul said, I came not seeking the gift, but I came seeking the fruit that abounds to your account. See, next week we'll talk about giving in difficult times and the things that we all face and the reasons why we all don't have to or shouldn't give. But the word of God takes us through that and says, it's okay, I'm going to take care of you. You can and should give. In our lives, years ago, and you've heard this story, and next week I'm going to have a story and have somebody else share for, for a few minutes next week about, about giving in difficult times and, and facing those, those opportunities where, where it's, 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 it seems like in the natural, like you, you're going to, it's over. But still trusting God and saying we're going to give. You know, but in our lives, you know, we, 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 were, we were givers, but we weren't necessarily tithers, you know. And I went back and was going through records and trying to find out when was that and where was that point. I remember in my life the day that we decided that, you know what, we're going to do it. Our way has not worked. (laughs) I have tried and I am smart. I have a degree in mathematics. I understand money. But when there's not enough coming in to take care of what needs to go out, you can only borrow from Peter to pay Paul so long. But I also knew enough spiritually in my life to realize that we weren't tithing either. And then when we asked God to tell us what to do, he said, give the way I command you or show you or tell you to give. 
What's that mean? Give. Bring the tithe and anything else I say. People like faith, different people would come in here, missionaries, and God would say, give them $100. (sighs) Okay. But we just gave the tithe. Give them $100. (sighs) Okay. Give that one $50. Give this. We just began to... We just began to give, and we were, we, were, we, were, we were lots and lots and lots of thousands of dollars in debt. Didn't think it could happen. See, that's the first thing the enemy tells you. You can't do that. When you get out of debt, then you could do it. Nope. Give first. Tithe first. It says that's the first fruits. And then he told us to live within our means. That one hurt more than the tithing one. <laughs> that's a whole other message. We won't go there. But somewhere around, that was somewhere around 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. And uh, as I went back, you know, that's when we started giving 10% and then a little bit more just to whatever, whatever was going on. We didn't make more money. It wasn't like we got new jobs. We didn't go out and get a second or third job. We didn't do any of that. We were busy. We already had two jobs. We were working teaching and we were also working here. So we, we were busy 20 hours a day. I mean, we were just moving and moving and moving and just giving and giving and giving and living and living and living within our means. And it was then, it was about 10%. You may say, oh, I'm a tither here. Great, maybe God's stretching you. Maybe there's more to do. Maybe there's an extra place and an extra portion. And what we saw God do in that time of just saying, okay, God, you know what? Because it says, it says in this message, when you start talking about tithing, it says, trust me now in this. Try me now in this. Test me now in this and see if I will not come through for you. See, not only will he pour out a blessing that you cannot contain, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. We have five automobiles at our house. A boat, trailer, mowers. I claim all that kid's stuff because we signed on the bottom line somewhere along the way. He paid for it, but we, we have five automobiles in our house. Wow, that seems like a lot. They have total, added together, 730,000 miles on those five automobiles. And every day we go out and turn that key and we drive wherever we want to go. And I am not a mechanic. I am not keeping up on those. 730,000 miles on five cars. Rachel's has 210 Daniel's has 135, his other car has 190, mine has 115. Hers is, hers is the lowest, it's almost 80,000 miles on it. That's the, that's, the lowest, that's, the, that's the lowest thing we got. But they keep running. Now, why is that? Well, because about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever, we decided, you know what? We're going to tithe. We're going to give. And God's going to have to rebuke the devourer because as, as we're putting our, our tithe in, as he's leading us and guiding us, and this isn't to pump us up. This is just to let you know we smoke what we, what we speak. We are smoking what we're selling to you. We, last year was 18% that we gave. We just gave away. And hopefully this year it's 19. And hopefully next year it's 20. And hopefully next year it's 21. I, 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 I'm smoking what I'm selling. I mean, this is, this is true. And I'm not telling you that's where you have to go, and I'm not telling that to pump us up or anything else because I've been trying not to, not to pump that up. I'm just telling you. And in the last four years, five years, we have paid $26,000 over and above anything else in the last four years to Purdue University. Cash. And we did not get a second job. We gave the way God told us to give. More. <laughs> Say more. More. 
God, we need some money because Daniel's going to school. He said, I'll provide for you and I'll make a way where there is no way. I'll bring a road in the wilderness and I'll put a river in your desert. Okay, God, keep giving. We didn't stop going on vacation. When the kids needed clothes, there was clothes. Where did it come from? I do not know. It came from that abundance that God said, I'll pour out abundance in your home, open that window, and the blessings will overtake you. And they have. That's not to pump us up. It's just to say, you know what? God's no respecter of persons. As you get a hold of what he's telling you to do, you'll be obedient to what he's telling you to do. You live within your means as you set your budget, and you go forward in those things, and God provides. That's what he told us. Give the way I tell you to give, and live within your means. It's crazy. But we have to decide who will we serve. It says in Matthew 6, that we can't serve two masters, that we had to make up our mind and you have to make up your mind. You have to decide in your house, in your world, is this something that we're going to do? It says in the Message Bible, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Serving God fully means that you have your money issues under control. In Isaiah 23, it says, verse 13, these people come to me with their, with their mouth. They come and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Part of this, my mouth is really dry too, by the way. I'm not nervous, but wow. Part of this coming to Christ and saying, I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. As much as we want to just kind of put a blind eye to it and say, I give here and I give there, whatever that might be. Is bringing the tithe into the storehouse. And again, like Paul said, don't come to seek the gift, just come to seek the fruit on your behalf. You all have testimonies. You know what God's doing. You know because you tithe, because you bring in that 10%, many of you over and above those things in your life, you know that God's pouring out the blessing that you cannot contain, that he's rebuking the devourer for your sake. It's, it's just true. Well, has it just been rosy? No, there have been some times where we've had to really get down on our knees and say, oh God, you gotta come through. But you know what, I will, I know he will, why? Because we give, because we tithe. And that puts me in covenant with him in our life financially. Tithing puts you in covenant with him. You're in covenant with him, but I'm telling you, you break covenant when you don't do your part of the deal. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just the truth. But he says, try me now in this. How about that? Not that he gives us a way out, but he says, try me now in this. See, he told, he told them in Malachi, you are robbing me. How did that work for Achan? See, if you steal what is God's, if you steal what he said not to steal, if you take what he said not to take, God can't use it, neither can you. And Achan, after the battle at Jericho and the walls came down, he took the silver and he took the garment and he took the wedge of gold. He decided that those things, he really liked them and they were more important to him than what God said. And in the end, it cost him his life and his family's life. You can't steal from God. And he said in Malachi, you have robbed me. You have stolen from me. You have taken from what is mine. We would not want to do that and we would try our best not to. Well, let's have our, our, our mentality and faith stretched a little bit and realize that includes the tithe. That 10%. See, because in Joshua, their prosperity and their success was guaranteed them with their covenant with God only if they were obedient. And I know 
Because we said in faith, as we stretch, it's going to be beyond us. That's true. And in tithing, how many of you know? You give away 10, that means you only got 90. Well, I could use the 100. I've even bartered with God a little bit. I'll give you 20 next if I can just have 10 this. I mean, we got a lot of bills to pay. we got a lot of stuff happening. If we could just, you know, I, it's, if I could just hang on for like a year. If you could just give me a year to get all this straight. Then after that, see, I could give you 20 or I'll give you 30%. There's no bargaining, no bartering. That says my plan is more important than your plan. My ideas are better than your ideas. That's breaking covenant. He told the children of Israel, you will be successful, but you must listen to me. He was very firm and very adamant all the way through. And even up into Joshua, he said, you will listen to my word and you will follow it and nothing else, not to the left and not to the right. You will go forward in what I tell you to do. Then as you meditate that word, speak that word and live that word in your life, you'll be successful and you'll be prosperous. Don't steal the tithe. It's beyond you, it's beyond me, but it's not beyond his grace. We walk by faith and not by sight. And I want to encourage you today as we end. It says in Isaiah 119, the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. And I don't believe that it takes God's grace for us to be willing. Because we all want the blessings that God has for us in every area of our life. Whether it's health, whether it's you know, peace, whether it's prosperity financially or relationally or whatever that is. We, we want what God has for us. Where we need God's grace is in that second part, the willing and the obedient. We need God's grace when it comes to obedience in our life. To say, okay, God, you know what? This is, this is it, man. I, I, I'm going to be obedient to what you say. I'm going to go forward. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says that his grace is sufficient for you and that your weakness makes him actually perfectly strong. That he sides up with you in that moment where we don't think we can because of all the things that we face. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then you better open up your... I understand. I'm not saying that it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a bad thing not to know what you believe. But you'd better find out what you believe because it says in the Word that we speak what we believe. That we act on what we believe. So you better know what you believe. And what you believe better line up with what God has for you. In any area of your life. That's why when you face crisis, when you face situations, it's important to find out what is God saying. Because I don't want to be on your side. I want to be on his side. I don't want to be on the doctor's side. I want to be on his side. I don't want to be on the CPA's side. I want to be on God's side. That's where we need to be. And you need God's grace. I need God's grace. You need God's grace to be able to give the way that he commanded us and showed us and told us to give. You may not think it's possible in your life to give 10% to bring the tithe into the storehouse the way God said. But I'll tell you this, you can. And by the grace of God, you'll make it tomorrow because His grace is sufficient for you. He actually says, come to His throne room of grace so that you might find help in your time of need. We're in need. You're in need in your life. Side up with God. Get in line with what he has for you. Purpose in your heart. Maybe not today that you know what? That's it. I'm tithing. But a purpose in your heart to say, you know what, God? If that's what you have for me, I want to be open to it. 
I want to be open to it. And, and you speak to me. You confirm this word to me. You show me that this is the direction that I want to go. I'm not seeking your gift. I'm seeking the blessing. I'm seeking the prosperity. I'm seeking the abundance that comes to your account. Because we speak in this church, and you can stand with me here as we end. We speak in this church many times at the beginning of the year. But this is going to be a year where God blesses his children financially like never before. And oh, we hoot, holler, and shout. (laughs) But the other side of that means that then we'll be giving more than we've ever given before in our lives. And I'm telling you, there's peace that comes with knowing that God takes care of you. You let go of the burden. And I think some of the fear and some of the anxiety that comes on us when we begin to think about cash, it can go away when we know we're lined up with what God's telling us to do. So today in the house, you can just bow your head right where you are. Where are you in your life where it comes to your finances? And where are you stretching in that area? Maybe in, you're in and you don't tithe. What's keeping you from tithing? Is it need? Is it, is it situations? Many times it's just things that we face. We're not trying to rob God. We just don't think we can afford to do it. I will tell you this. You can't afford not to. Are you open today? Just tell God if you are. Are you open today to your thoughts and to your, to your perspective on tithing? Are you open to that to change today? To say, you know what, God, if that's you, man, I'm open. I would even encourage you in this. It says in Malachi that you now have the opportunity to test God. It's the only place in the word where he says, you can put me to the test here. Give it a shot. Don't try it next week and then quit. Try it for three months. Say, okay, God, from this point on, for the next three months, this is what I'm going to do, Father. I am going to give you that 10% of everything that comes into our house, and I will be open to you. You said in your word that I'm supposed to try. I'm just giving you encouragement here. You said in your word that you would come through, that you would open a window of heaven. We're coming into school season and my children need clothes. We're in a place where we need to get a little bit of a rest time and go on vacation. We're in a place where we need to see your hand move because the bills are huge. We need to see your hand move and now you're asking me for the 10th. All he's asking you for is to say, I want to get involved. I really want to get involved. And now, Father, I say, I'll do it. I'll do it. If that's you and you say, man, that's me, you make this commitment to God, not to me. You sign up with him and say, you know what? I'll do it. I'll give it a month. I'll give it two months. I'd tell you to give it three months and say, okay, God, what do you got? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring that in and I'm going to put it in good ground. And you watch and see if God doesn't remain faithful to his word and pour out that blessing that you cannot contain. See, is God speaking to you today to tithe? Is God speaking to you today to give over and above that amount maybe? Maybe you're here and you say, man, I've been tithing my whole life. Is he stretching? We're talking about stretching our mentality and stretching our faith. Have you gotten comfortable in that area of 10%? In our life, we were starting to get comfortable in that place. He was having to come through to fill it in, but you know what? It was real comfortable just to continue to do that. But then he kept saying, a little bit more this year. A little bit more this year. A little bit more this year. Keep growing. Keep stretching. See, a rubber band's not any good unless it's stretched. So in this place today, if you're open 
to God speaking to you in the area of your finances, let's just make this confession of faith. You're not signing on the, on the bottom line. I'm not signing it up to give 10% in the tithe fund or anything. I'm just saying, are you open to doing that? Let's just make this confession. Father, I love you. And my heart is open to you. I know your word says that I'm supposed to bring the tithe. And I want to be obedient to your word. Confirm your word to me today. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And give me the courage and the strength by your grace to be obedient to do it. I'm open. Stretch me. I don't want to be the same person I used to be. I want to trust you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm telling you, God's good. He knows exactly where you are and he knows exactly what's going on in your life. Remain open to what God has for you. Not just financially, but in every area of your life. And let's do this real quick before we go. Do you know Jesus? Raise your hand if you know. If you died today, you'd go and you'd be with him forever. And your relationship with him is on the right level. Anybody not got their hand up because we want to pray for you if that's the case. We all saved. We all go in the right direction. Praise God. That's good news. Give the Lord a hand today. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Now get back here next week. We talk about giving in difficult times and how important it is for us to keep going. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.